1: Hello and welcome to the game World Cup Daily from The Times. I'm Natalie Sawyer and thank you for joining us. We are here every match day of the World Cup, podcasting after 10 o'clock UK time every night. The group stages are over. We now know the full lineup for the last 16. It will be England versus Colombia in Moscow on Tuesday night. So much talk of yellow cards deciding the outcome of the groups, but in the end, it was Senegal who were undone by indiscipline. Japan going through from Group H by virtue of having received two fewer bookings they become the first team ever to qualify via the fair play rule lots of questions asked about effort and work rate today but nobody can question the shifts put in by my three guests this evening a panel even more glamorous than pamela anderson david janela and jeremy Corbyn in the studio with me it is alan smith good evening Uh, Later on, we'll be speaking to Oliver Kay in Samara, who witnessed that Colombian victory over Senegal and will give us his thoughts on England's next opponents. And in Kaliningrad, having watched the three lines, it is Jonathan Northcroft. Evening, Jonathan. Good evening. So England were beaten 1-0 by Belgium, which means they finished second uh, in Group G. And the big question, Jonathan, is are they actually bothered?
2: Yeah, I think you're always bothered when you lose a game. I mean, I, I think in, in theory, England weren't going to be bothered, but then when you actually experience a defeat, it does hurt a little bit. Um, I, think they were, they were, I think they'd have wanted to play better. You know, maybe the result didn't matter, but I think England might have just wanted to put in a better performance than they did tonight, because there is, you know, that precious thing, momentum, that you want to keep going, and there's a feeling of a little bit of disappointment that, that some of the, the fringe players will, will be sitting there thinking that they didn't do enough to to state their claims. Um, So I think it will be a bit of a downer in in morale terms. But look, it's not, you know, in in terms of is it a costly defeat? You know, not really, not really. I just want to say I think it would have been better to to put in a, a, a more convincing performance than that.
1: It is England taking on Colombia on Tuesday night in Moscow, Jonathan. Uh, England and Colombia have met once before at the World Cup in the group stages 20 years ago. Glenn Hoddle's team won 2-0 at uh, France 98 with Darren Anderton and David Beckham getting the goals. Gareth Southgate says this is England's biggest game for over a decade. Would you agree?
2: I think it probably is. Um, I mean I was at that game um, working for a Scottish newspaper all those years ago the the Colombia match. I remember that was a fantastic occasion the beckham free kick um Columbia were a really good side at that time you know in terms of the stars on the pitch it's probably not this game's not as big as that one um but in terms of importance to england then sure because you know when else of england had a, a potential route to a world cup semi final like they have now you know Columbia are a good side but they're the kind of side you have to play in the knockout round and then it's Switzerland or, or Sweden. So it really, you know, when you think about it like that, think about the path that could open up if England um, can, can come in that game in, in, in Rostov, then, then yeah, it's, it, it, is, it is a huge game. And, of course, England haven't won a knockout game for so long that it's about time that they did.
1: Uh, well, Alan, the Colombia manager, Jose Peckerman, has promised this match will be full on and to the death. We can't forget, of course, they were quarter-finalists just four years ago and maybe unlucky not to go further.
0: Yeah, and I, I, I find it. I still think it's quite difficult to sort of appraise Colombia's performance at this World Cup so far. The first game, it's unfair to judge them. Played with ten men for eighty-seven minutes, um, but still, sort of hung on against Japan and had a couple of chances laid on to equalise. Um, Looks really, really good against Poland. Tore Poland apart. Rodriguez played uh, s- some remarkable passes today. <sighs> I don't think they were too impressive today. Um, they struggled for long for long periods. Um, Mina obviously has scored in consecutive games from set pieces now, and so much discussion after the Tunisian Panama games about England being so strong from set pieces, and that's clearly a strength of Colombia's. So it will be fascinating to see how how that works out. But the biggest thing from a Colombian point of view, I feel, is the the doubt over Rodriguez and whether he'll, whether he'll be fit, um, limped off this afternoon in the first half. Um, Peckerman didn't seem incredibly positive from from the quotes that have come out after the game. He said he, he's extremely doubtful for, for Tuesday night and I think his involvement could possibly be, be decisive.
1: Well, Jonathan already mentioned the possible route through to the quarters, possibly the semis a, a, as well, just to go over that again should England beat Colombia they'll face either Switzerland or Sweden for a chance to then play in a World Cup semi-final so Alan let me ask you considering fans were worried about possibly facing Brazil or Germany in the last eight, this is it really is an incredible opportunity for England
0: yeah it's an incredible opportunity obviously there's comparisons to be made toward 1990 28 years have passed England haven't been in the last four of a World Cup since, and they're not going to have a draw this easy for many, many World Cups to come. Um, yet Colombia possibly are th- are the biggest obstacle between now and a, a semi final because you, you wouldn't think that Switzerland or Sweden, who've been okay in patches, um, they have made the most of other teams sort of tripping over themselves to progress. I feel from the groups and England, if they play to their capabilities, should beat those sides. In terms of Colombia, I wouldn't feel quite as confident. Um, I think England could play well against Colombia and there's still the potential that Colombia could beat them.
1: Jonathan, fans were certainly in high spirits after the two victories, in particular the win over Panama, as you've sort of alluded to. Um, they were games England were supposed to win, but Henry Winter today has called this game against Belgium a wake-up call for England and that the B team proved that they are nowhere near as good as the a list is. Again, you've sort of suggested that, do you feel that this could be damaging for morale in the squad, this loss?
2: A little bit. I mean, I mean, the ideal scenario for tonight, you know, from from, from Gareth's point of view, forgetting the result, the ideal scenario would have been that, that these sort of, you know, B-team players um, played really well, really convincingly. And some of them state claims, you know, they all went away with a really positive feeling about their World Cup experience. You know that would have meant that training would have been a lot, a lot more sort of fierce. Because the first team guys, the A list guys, would have would have felt a pressure on them. You know, look how well he played. Look how well he played. He's going to push me for a spot. You'd just have a better mood around the camp. These guys that played tonight, who'd been waiting to take part in the World Cup, would have felt, yeah, I've, I've done something on the pitch. You know, as, as I say, there'll be there'll be lads there now that that may think, well, that was my one chance to play in a World Cup, and it just didn't really go well for me. So, you know, individually, there'll be a little bit of a, a, a few sort of down moods, and I, and I think that, that kind of bounce that you might have wanted to get from a training point of view won't be there either. I think if there's a positive, it maybe doesn't harm England to reducing expectations a little bit again, because, you know, they, I've seen the excitement among us here in the press, and I've tasted I've a little bit just by reading the papers back home how how everyone's feeling back there. So, you know, maybe England are, can, can, can be at their worst when there's, uh, there's too big a build-up and, and maybe reducing expectations, you know, won't be a harm. So, you know, there's, there's, there's good and bad, but I, I, think, I think it's not, you know, the, the, the ideal scenario for Gareth hasn't clearly hasn't happened tonight. And, you know, Henry's right. It, it, it does show you that there's a, there's a lack of depth in terms of real, real class. We all know who the key players for England are. And, and, you know, we all know that Harry Kane needs to be there. We all know that we can now see that Kieran Trippier needs to be on the pitch for those, those set-piece deliveries. You know, and the Raheem Sterling, despite the criticism he takes, is very important to helping open the game up. So, you know, we've learned that tonight. This is now where Gareth has to earn his money and and, and all the good stuff he's, he's done in terms of creating mood before the tournament. you now needs, he's got a different job, but he's got to repair the mood a little bit now.
1: Mm, yeah, eight changes made for... A- This game against uh, Belgium. It was, of course, an Adnan Yanazai goal that uh, won it for Belgium. It might well be remembered, though, for Mishi Bashawai's celebration. Uh, But, uh, Jonathan, this is the first time England have failed to keep a clean sheet in the group stages of a World Cup. Is that a concern?
2: Uh, I mean, there was a bit of criticism, wasn't there, about the positioning of of Pickford and then using his so called wrong hand to make the save. Was that a concern? Maybe, but you know, I think we, we, we know that this england have got three young goalkeepers who, you know, none of them are absolutely top class yet. So I don't think they have really learn anything there. I do I tell you what did concern me defensively was it, it's more to do with the system because you know the system's going to be there even when the the, the top guys come back in. And what what concerned me was against a really good team that area in front of the back three. Um, that they 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 overload, Belgium overloaded that a lot. They had good players. You know, get either dropping off or or, 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 you know, running forward into that position. Poor Eric Dyer was, was, was completely overwhelmed at times. And I think that's what the, the better sides are going to do. Um, and, you know, opponents, opponents to come, Columbia included, will have looked. Look for that flaw in the system, as it were, and, and we'll try and exploit
1: that Night. And well, of course, Colombia's best performance so far in this tournament was against Poland, who had a back three. So the question to both of you, and I'll start with you, Alan, is who does Gareth Southgate pick as that starting eleven? Does he go back to what is tried and tested against Panama, for example?
0: I think he goes back. The, the only player who came into the team tonight that I thought may push for a starting place would be Danny Rose, who looked quite positive on the left and possibly... He offers something different to Ashley Young. I think Young often has a habit of cutting in on his right foot, um, whereas Rose will sort of stick out on the flank, and obviously is better crossing set of outswinging crosses. Um, he looked threatening. I believe Belgium's two first first half yellow cards came from fouls on Rose. Um, so I think he may merit inclusion. Elsewhere of, of the players he came in tonight, I don't think any of them particularly did enough. Um, Jordan Henderson's passing gives him sort of an advantage over Eric Dyer as the pivot. Um, John Stones, I'm sure Jonathan may have heard an update about John Stones, who I believe had ice on his leg, on his, his shin cuff, during, the, injury, was was. On his cuff during the second half. Um, perhaps he might now be a doubt, I'm, I'm not too <clears> sure, but if he's fit, I think the back three stays the same. Um, the attacking midfielders will remain the same as the Panama game, unless Ali is fit to play. Um, Kane and Sterling will stay the same as well.
1: Yeah, Jonathan, well, I know you've already suggested. You know, Harry Kane obviously has to come back in. Uh, assuming delhi Ali uh, isn't fit, what what eleven do you go for, or do you think Delhi Ali will be back in time for this game against Colombia?
3: Yeah,
2: I think he will be ready. I, I think I think he will be. He's actually had a very good rest now since such an game. So I think we'll see. Um, I, I mean, I, my gut instinct is that, that he'll go with the same team uh, that that played Tunisia. But I would, I would, I, I think Alan's got a point about Danny Rose. You know, personally, if I was picking the team, I'd be very, very, very tempted to get Danny Rose in because he can, cause he's left-footed, he can go outside um, and and help stretch an opposition, which Ashley Young can't. Um, so that that I would make that change. But I think Gareth will will, will go back to the the eleven that played against um, Tunisia.
1: Uh, and Alan was asking you about any information on John Stones. Do you have anything to hand? Yeah.
2: John did come through looking perfectly fine. I mean, it was you know certainly walking fine. We didn't have any sort of um, anything on his leg, um, and it was it was really nice watching the players in the mix room because some of the, all, all the Belgians and uh, you know so many of the Belgians and so many of the, of the English lads played together or against each other in the Premier League, and it was it was just a all one squad. You know, you, you had. You had John Stone sort of coming through with De Bruyne. You had, um, you know, Rashford and Lukaku. You had, you know, all the Spurs lads were, were chatting to each other. It was, a, it was quite a nice scene, really.
1: Just lastly, uh, Jonathan, a quick word on Belgium. They joined Uruguay and Croatia as the only teams to qualify with a 100% record. They face Japan now uh, in the last 16. And we do ask this question every tournament, but are they the real deal this time around?
2: Yeah, you know what? They're starting to look more and more like it. If I, th- if I was ranking how how teams have performed so far, I think they'd have to be at the top. You know, I think they've, I think they have been the most impressive team. And my goodness, you realise that their B team has got some really fine footballers. I mean, Moussa Dembélé is one of my favourite players full stop. I love watching him. I thought he was absolutely, you know, head and shoulders in terms of his, his craft on the ball ahead of anything England has got tonight. Telemund is a, is a brilliant young player. He was very very good. Um, and you can see that, you know, maybe Mitchie isn't so good at um, goal celebrations, but he's, he, he's still a pretty potent striker. So and Vincent Company came on for them, you know, and he hasn't been playing. So you realise the depth in that Belgian squad. Um, and I think they're going to be, there's a confidence about them as well now, actually, that wasn't there four years ago. And they do see this as their, their moment. So I was pretty impressed.
1: It is a start studied squad. Jonathan, thank you very much for your thoughts this evening.
2: Thanks very
1: much. And for the benefits of our Panamanian and Tunisian listeners, it finished 2-1 to Tunisia elsewhere in Group G. A Panama go home then from their first ever World Cup with three defeats out of three. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt.
3: Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care.
0: The Game, World Cup Daily, from The Times, with Natalie Sawyer.
1: You can hear live commentary of all of Saturday's games from the round of 16 on TalkSport. It starts with France taking on Argentina at three o'clock. Then the clash between Uruguay and Portugal is live from seven on TalkSport. In Group H, Japan manager Akiro Nishino made six changes for the game against Poland, quite remarkable given they were far from certain of progression. But despite defeat to the already eliminated Poles, Japan go through as runners-up by virtue of the fair play rule. Senegal knew if they avoided defeat against Colombia, they would progress to the last 16, but it was Colombia who assured their passage to the knockouts as group winners. Barcelona defender Yerry Mina scoring for the second game in a row with just over 15 minutes to go. Oliver Kay watched that match in Samara and joins us now. It was in Senegal's hands, Oli. How did it uh, slip away from them?
3: Well, after the news came through from Volgograd that that, um, that Poland had scored against Japan, Senegal actually went to the top of the group um, for a time, and it, and it looked like they um, would not only go through but go through as group winners, and then suddenly. They conceded a corner. I think it, it seemed like the, the the Colombian players really sort of gained energy from the reaction of their crowd to the to the goal. It was almost like the, the less urgent that um, Colombia's position became, the more they relaxed and but then started to enjoy themselves and, and play nerve free. And they got a corner down the right. Quintero took it, and Mina um, you know, rose to, to to head the goal. And from that point. Um, Senegal never really got getting back into it, but you know that that goal took them from from top of the group to to third, and agonisingly for them, going out on um, on on the fair play ruling, having had six yellow cards. I have to say, Ali say it was very magnanimous about that afterwards. You know, you can imagine other coaches sort of. Trying to talk out the crown and saying it's a disgraceful rule or something like that or say or highlighting bookings that shouldn't have been or or, or, or whatever. Um, he was he was just saying you know, it said well if that's the rules, that's the rules and, and you know, we feel unlucky, we feel we did our best, but it, it wasn't Quite good enough, and um, we hope the people back home are proud. Nothing, they will be.
1: Perhaps also frustrating for them, knowing that what for the last fifteen twenty minutes of that Japan Poland game, neither side really went for it. They kind of seemed to be settled on that result.
3: Yeah, I, I, I obviously I haven't seen that because I was at, um, at the other game, but I was hearing reports that coming through from there, and I, I thought, well, that's that's quite risky for from Japan's point of view because because you know, all it would take is a Senegal goal, and, and, and it was. Japan didn't really have anything to hold on to at 0-1, but um, I'm told that um, Japan's coach was uh, was, was somewhat, um, somewhat embarrassed and sheepish about the way they played it. But at this stage of the tournament, the stakes are so high, you can you can understand it. Mm,
1: yeah, I suppose so. Um, I mean, obviously this result means that there's no African nation in the knockout stages for the first time in the World Cup for 36 years. Uh, how worrying is that, Ollie?
3: Um <laughs> You know, I, I, I thought if you went back to um, 2014, I think you saw some, or, or in fact, the last couple of World Cups really, at times you've seen some really poor, really disappointing performances for African teams. And I think Egypt were, were really disappointing this time and Tunisia were disappointing. But I, I think Nigeria were, were really good and deserved, deserved better, having been put in a really tough group um, with Argentina, Croatia and Iceland. But they gave it a, a, a better go of it than probably a lot of people expected. I think Morocco, I, think, I don't think their results reflect this at all, but they were in a very tough group with um, Spain, Portugal and Iran and probably competing for third place at the start, but they were so competitive in all of those games. I didn't think it was a unmitigated disaster. I, I thought for the African teams, I think you know if you look at the individual cases, I think you would say, well, if the old tired old stereotypes are about indisciplined performances and, and football that was um overly impetuous and not disciplined. I don't think anybody would describe Nigeria's performance the other night as that. I don't think anybody would describe Marcos performances as, as that or Senegal's today. I think I think they would just I think those those three teams were in difficult groups where it's difficult to, to get the points. I think Senegal will probably be the ones that are kicking themselves slightly because they came so close and, and didn't
1: quite get out of the way. Well, it is, Ollie, England versus Colombia in the last 16. Based on what you've seen today, how tough will the South American side be to face?
3: Well, if I can put it this way, I think Colombia have looked less impressive since the tournament began, with the exception of maybe 45 minutes against Poland, than they looked before the tournament started. I, I, I expected Colombia to be one of the, you know, to look like one of the strongest teams um, in the competition, I expected them to run away with this group. I think they've not really got started in, in a way, but they've, but they've won two of the three games. Um, it was it was not terribly impressive today. Significantly, they also lost. Having Rodriguez to an injury, which um, to judge by the coach's words afterwards, it sounds like it could be serious. Sounds like it could keep them out, out of the England game. So. I'm not at all saying, oh, you know, bring it on England, I'm certain to get past England. I'm not saying that at all, but I do feel that they haven't got going, if I could put it that way. They are a good team, strong team, We've got Falcao and Quintero, who's been one of the standout emerging players of the tournament, very good central defenders, including Dovinson Sanchez and, and, and Mina, but it's, I, I, I don't think they look like a team that anybody should be terrified of. Well, i will a team, you know, England team, it, you know, haven't won a knockout game at this tournament for so, so long and have slipped up against Iceland and others. But are Colombia looking as formidable as as I felt they would be at South the tournament? No, they're not.
1: Whatever happens with that Colombia side that turns up for that last 16 tie on, on Tuesday, what about the cauldron of noise that the Colombian fans bring? Would we expect the same?
3: Uh yes, definitely. I I think I mean I, I was on a flight from Moscow to um to Samara um this morning and it was, it was funny actually. There was um I, I felt like I was the only non Colombian or non yellow shirted person on on the plane. and then a couple of um Senegalese um fans came on and they were kind of smiling and quite sheepish and the Colombian fans were saying, What what, what are you doing on here? it's a Colombian flight and I think I think they generally thought it was some kind of Colombian fans charter to to um Tomorrow, rather than the Thursday morning scheduled flight, they, they, they are not only they're noisy, but they are so smiley, friendly. There's no hostility to them. They were they were lovely with the um, the two Senegalese fans. But on the pitch, I I don't think they're unbeatable at all. I, I think England will need to. um Raise the game again, and I'd probably reach, reach a new level that they've not reached yet in the tournament because it's going to be a much tougher test than, than the first two games, and it's going to be a much more significant, intense test than than the Belgian game was. But I don't think it's anything that Gareth Southgate's players should be terrified about.
0: The game, World Cup Daily from the Times with Natalie Sawyer.
1: We'll be giving you a Times Trivia Teaser question every day on every podcast as provided by Times statistician Bill Edgar. Last time out, we asked you, Germany, West Germany, have failed to get past a World Cup group stage for the first time ever. In which year did they last fail to get past the group stage at the European Championship? Well, the answer was at Euro 2004. That was the year also when Greece shocked the world by winning the competition. So could we see a similar surprise in Russia? With the last eight in sight, our teaser today is At which World Cup were three of the four quarterfinals decided by penalty shootouts? Tune in to our next podcast to find out the answer. The last 16 ties begin on Saturday, with the first knockout match taking place in Kazan for France versus Argentina. This is Remarkably, is their first World Cup meeting in 40 years. Well, Argentina beat France 2-1 in the group stages in 1978 and then went on to win the tournament. Alan, that looks a long way off based on their performances in Russia so far, though.
0: Yeah, I think really both sides have actually sort of flattered to deceive. I'm not sure which who's been poorer. Um, Argentina, even against Nigeria, obviously weren't that impressive. But the biggest positive they can take is that after two sort of disappointing performances by his own standards, that Messi looked really good, obviously scored that incredible goal to put them in front. Um, They still have so many problems elsewhere, particularly defensively, where France may not have played particularly well in the group stage, but there's such depth there that they just need one player to sort of turn it on. And then from there, I think, can can really punish Argentina.
1: You mentioned they only need one player to turn it around, but we haven't seen much of Antoine Griezmann yet, have we?
0: No, and I've, I think Didier Deschamps, the, the French coach has sort of tweaked their lineup quite a bit, and he doesn't seem particularly sure what the best system is, or how, how to line them up. So in the, in the opening game, Kylian Mbappe sort of had started in the middle of a front three, Ousmane Dembele on the left, and Griezmann I believe is on the right. Um, Dembele was incredibly disappointing. Um, I think even he came in in that game against Denmark, Denmark disappointed again. But people look to Griezmann to a lesser extent because he's playing sort of behind the front three Pogba to sort of really turn it up because they're the big names. Um, I think collectively France have disappointed. Um, I wouldn't feel... I don't think it's completely necessary to zone in on an individual just yet. I mean, they have progressed. We've seen what's happened to Germany. Um, But there's a lot more to come from the entire group.
1: Bearing that in mind, uh, who do you think is going to win that one?
0: Um, I think France should edge it just because Argentina have been so bad. It, w- it would need Messi to perform incredibly well and for Argentina's defence to sort of shore up those holes. And I think in in the three group games there were too many holes um, and France will just be able to exploit it eventually. It might not actually be as pretty a game as people are expecting. They see these two big names coming together and assume this is gonna be amazing, this is what the World Cup is about after a couple of, you know, really drab group stage games, but I just think France will will have enough to edit.
1: Well, whoever wins in Kazan will then have an eye on events in Sochi to see who they'll face in the quarterfinals when it's Uruguay and Portugal's turn in the knockout rounds. Uh, This is the first ever competitive meeting between these sides. And uh, Alan, it is the irresistible force against the immovable object, that is Cristiano Ronaldo, against the only defence in the competition yet to concede a goal.
0: Yeah, I believe Uruguay the... The only team to have progressed through group stage without conceding any goals since Argentina in nineteen ninety eight, just twenty years ago, oh, um, which is impressive. quite quite an impressive feat. I- attacking wise, I don't think they impressed in their opening two games, but then seemed to turn it on against Russia. Um, Luis Suarez quite disappointing in the opener, but again looked good a- against Russia. Cavani has been quite sharp in all three games. Um, the most fascinating thing will be to see Diego Godin and if it um, Jose Jimenez coming up against Ronaldo two sort of Atletico Madrid defenders he rough and ready ready to sort of get in Ronaldo's face from the off Um, obviously know each other quite well from playing for the club sides Um, and yeah that's by some distance the most interesting thing about the game
1: So who will come out on top?
0: I think it's going to be close but because Portugal have such an over-reliance on Ronaldo uh, I mean, always reluctant to make these Ronaldo-Messi comparisons but both of them are quite similar in the the sense that for their countries they are the outstanding players, it all seems to come back to them the pressure always falls on them and Uruguay as a group, as more of a cohesive unit I think that gives them an advantage when they should probably progress by maybe just one goal
1: that is it for now. Many thanks to my guests today Jonathan Northcroft, Oliver K. and to Alan Smith. Subscribe to The Times and The Sunday Times to enjoy award winning journalism online and on your smartphone or tablet. For a limited time only, it is just a pound a month. For your first three months, search The Times sale for more information. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or your preferred podcast supplier. The World Cup takes a break on Friday, and so do we, but we'll be back on Saturday after the first couple of those last 16 ties. See you then.
0: The game is brought to you by The Times. For more information and more podcasts from The Times, head to thetimes.co.uk.